Well, look at that. I do believe we are recording. How we are, are here. Well, hello, how, Mike. How are you in this fine, I don't even know what day of the week it is? I am absolutely phenomenal. Recording from an AZ, ASCD, Principal Leadership Academy session, and I'm in somebody's office. And, and you look right at home. I've heard you just show up in people's offices and look strangely <laughs> comfortable. I, I, I guess this proves that that is the case. It's a headset. It just gives you that, that so. uh, I'm going to date myself, but it reminds me of the, you know, Judy from Time Life Books is standing by to take your order. You remember those commercials? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm just saying. I used to, I, I had those books. I, it worked for me. I used to call and order them. So, well, here we are on our inaugural and highly amateur, at least for the first one. We're going to get more professional as we do this. At least I hope. <laughs> the inaugural edition of, I think the title is right now, M2 on Education, Learning for the Very Busy, right? I like it. It's, so, it's short and sweet, because which is what we need to be. Yeah, I, that's right. And I hear that I, I can be short and sweet. I got the short part down. So do <laughs> I. Down all week. All right. Well, this is episode one of a series that, that we have kicked around doing for a long time and um, just thought it would be really fun. Uh, Melissa uh, and I will introduce ourselves, but we've known each other for quite a while and we've always thought it would be fun to do something in the podcast, podcasts, any other kind of cast. Uh, world. So before we begin, um, let's let's go ahead and get to a, a brief introduction. Melissa, uh, who are you and why are you on everyone's screen right now? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I am Melissa Sadorf. Currently, I am the superintendent of Stanfield Elementary School District, which is located in Pinal County in Arizona. And uh, in addition to that, I am also the executive director for the Arizona affiliate of ASCD. And um, in my free time, I like to read books, and we're going to be talking about one of them today. But um, yeah, that's kind of who I am and what I do. I love it. And you do a lot more because you're a very busy person. And maybe over the course of our podcast series, vodcast series, slash, we will talk about some of the other cool things you're in on. I'm sure they're going to come up because you have your hands in a lot of different, not just in people's offices, but in a lot of professional and just interesting things in your world that I hope we'll get to tap into, tap into over time uh, as we as we talk on this podcast. And uh, I'm Mike Lee. I'm the assistant superintendent in the Buckeye Elementary School District. Um, have been everything from a paraprofessional in Paradise Valley to a first grade teacher, sixth grade teacher, worked at the National Board for a while, uh, was a principal for years, survived that. Um, just, I it just, love teaching and learning. I love education. Um, it is a calling. I think both Melissa and I, we've talked about this before, that it really is a calling. Um, and it is something that uh, a lot of people out there will say, this, I didn't think this was what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, like a calling. And, that, and that's why your educators talk about it being a calling so frequently, right? Absolutely. Yep, so, um, yeah. So we got to talk and how could we contribute to this um, body of knowledge that people have or want to gain without being intrusive. Everybody's super busy. You already mentioned that. Um, uh, and so we know that that the listening audience, hi, mom, that might just be for, our, <laughs> <laughs> for the first episode, but our listening audience is really, really busy. So, you know, we got to thinking, and what is it that everybody, almost everybody, well, not during the pandemic as much, but what is it that almost everybody has to do every workday? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think. Drive to work. That's right. 
the commute, right? The commute. And some people have really long commutes and some have, this sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Some have long commutes, some have short <laughs> commutes, but, but oh, everybody's got a commute. Well, most everybody has commutes and uh, we looked it up. We're, we're researchers from way back, right, Melissa? We are indeed. Yeah, yeah so it took a lot of work, but uh, the, Google, the Google uh, told us that the average commute time in America is, what do you think it is? Is this a trick question or can I answer? You can answer, go ahead. 26 minutes. What, how did you know? Oh, that's right, we talked about this before we went we, on air. Oh, so did. You like how I said that, went on air? Like we're, like we're on a major <laughs> network or something? So cool. So, so anyway, 26 minutes is the average commute time. And so here's what we were thinking. We thought, you know what? You get a lot of learning, you get a lot of learning at work. You get a, so we're not, we're not gonna focus on learning, we're gonna focus on thinking. And we're gonna talk about professional thinking. So if you give us, I was gonna hold up 13 fingers, but apparently that's not doable. I've stopped halfway up trying to figure out how to do that. Maybe I do seven and you do six, I don't know. But somehow, if you give us 13 minutes max for our podcast, podcast um, then we will give you half of your commute to yourself and you'll still walk away with something on your mind that you can go and, and consider and ponder and ask questions of other people. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. That's what we aim to do. We hope you'll find this interesting. Um, and we promise we will get better as we go along. Uh, we I did get a fancy microphone. I was so excited to use because I thought, well, I'm, I you know, mom, I'm going to be a podcaster. I better get a microphone. And so then I got this microphone <laughs> and I set it down. I thought, oh, my, I look like Larry King. So I put it away. Um, but eventually Very serious something, business. something fancy, but not quite as bulky um, that I can wear, kind of like what you're sporting today. So I'm going to have to get in that direction. So uh, what we're going to do, we, we have a format because that's what good shows do. We have formats. And so we have a format. And the format is we're going to start every episode with a, just a real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time. And this will be the longest show we probably ever do because we had to introduce ourselves. Um, and so we're going to do happenings and listener input. That implies we're going to get listeners and viewers. So we will. Um, so what are a few things just really quickly that are happening in, in education or around education? Um, and then we're going to do a thing called, I feel like a game show host. We're going to play a game called three, two, one. Um, <laughs> we're cracking ourselves up. This is going to make for great entertainment. Three, two, one, where we're going to take a piece of reading, a piece of literature, uh, literature, not like Dickens or something, but we're going to take professional reading. And we know you don't have time to read everything that you'd like to. And so we thought we might be able to serve as a bit of a screener and maybe spark your interest into reading something that, that, that you might find useful. And so we've carefully culled. I love that word called great um, word. some selections that we'll share with you very briefly. I'm going to say uh, three things that um, the three thoughts that we had about what we read, um, two reasons that you should read it. And one thing that you can do now, like starting tomorrow. Um, and so that'll be the format. And then we'll close up shop. That'll be our show. Uh, we hope you like it. And so let's get started with, I need a really cool sound effect for in the future. We need a cool sound effect for, hey, let's start happenings and listener input. And then we'll have like a <laughs> or something. So that That's there's your sound effect. So, uh, hey, what's going on? Let's start with you, uh, Melissa. What's going on um, in the happenings and listener input realm for you? Let's do your number one. Okay. So right now, as you all know we are in the pandemic and we as educators know that social emotional uh, practices and supports are huge right now and 
what I found really interesting, I came across an article that Japan has actually hired and appointed a minister of loneliness. And so I looked into that. I'm like, what does this guy do? Well, they have actually tasked this person with making sure that people in Japan have supports because as we all know, unfortunately, suicide rates are going up. And um, he's going to be providing services to the people in his country. And I thought, wow, that's a very innovative idea. But did you know that two years ago, the UK also appointed a minister of loneliness? So this is not a new thing, but I thought it was pretty innovative. So that was my number one. Wow. And um, just kind of going in line with, we all know that we need support right now. And that's one way that they're they're trying to fill that gap. Well, I would say, number one, Japan, have you met England? England, have you met Japan? You don't have to be lonely. There's someone else out there. <laughs> there you number go. Two, I was pretty sure Minister of Loneliness was a song by The Cure in the 80s, but apparently it's a position. So that's really interesting. I had not seen that. I'm really glad that you brought that one up. My number one is actually about an outside reading that I, a piece of outside reading that I've been doing that I just think people would find interesting. It's related to education, but it's not focused on education. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fascinated with anything related to people and how we operate and why we do what we do and why are we so goofy half the time. And uh, there's a book that I'm that I've completed called The End of Average, and it's by Todd Rose. And it is a it's this look at systems that we design um, and everything that we design, not just systems, but uh, physical design and everything else. And in this effort that we've always had this natural effort to try to find the average of what things should be, and then we design something for that average, right? The average. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about the these the design of these cockpits in these fighter planes and how they, the Air Force used to design these cockpits for the average pilot. But then they kept having all these planes crash. And they figured out in, in the mid-century that it turns out there's no such thing as an average built pilot. They had longer elbow to hand, elbow, like all this research turns out there is no average much of anything. There's huh. no average learner, there's no average anything. And so the point that Mr. Rose makes in his book is typically if you design something for average, you're trying to design it for everyone, you're designing a system for no one. Ah. <laughs> It's actually so very interesting. It is very interesting. It's called The End of Average by Todd Rose. What's your number two? Okay. That was your sound effect. I like it. We, we, need, we, we need to get that. Um, just last week, the Wallace Foundation put out a webinar on some research that they've been doing. It's worth two decades worth of research on the effectiveness of the principle. And so I would encourage everyone that has an interest in finding out more about that research and what it says, make sure that you head over to the Wallace Foundation. Uh, you can still um, link to the web uh, webcast and they also have the research in written form. But basically it talks about the scope and influence of an administrator at the site level. And um, just really some important information, especially for those people that are leading school sites. So awesome, I awesome. highly recommend either the webinar or at least taking a look at the research. That sounds great. Well, my number two is just something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, as everyone has, and that is pandemic learning. And the expression is learning loss. We can debate all day whether mm -hmm. that's the right expression. And I certainly have an opinion, but it's a, it's an, it's an expression that you've heard. So we all relate to. Um, and demographics. Um, I'm really interested mm -hmm. to 
You know, there's a lot of blanket statements being thrown out right now about what the pandemic means to the learners. And again, like I just got done saying earlier, the average learner, right? Because we tend to talk in averages. But what is it going to look like? And what's really interesting is nobody knows. And the thing that I think the advice I'd give everybody is anybody who tells you that they can tell that they know what to project, expect, or what the trajectory should be. Of, of the learner post pandemic is is just guessing. Um, it's educated guess, I'm sure. And there is research on like post Katrina um, and how long it took post Katrina for learners in that area that were displaced by the hurricane. Um, but what this, this has never happened before. So, you know, the one thing is even though we want to try to grasp to normal as quickly as we can, especially policymakers um, and uh, those who, you know, talk about school accountability and everything else mm-hmm. that I want, you know, okay, great the pandemic's over but so we should be able to get back together in what get it back you know on in terms of the thing that we understand we're not sure and we don't know and we need to make sure that we are in not such a hurry to make sense of everything that we make the wrong sense out of things and so we're going to i think we're going to be learners for a long time about this and it's important that we we keep our learner hat on as we as we kind of get across this what's this look like post-pandemic what's your next one Wow, that's interesting, Mike. I'm excited about that. All right, so this next one is a free online resource for teachers. And thank you for <laughs> glasses. I know. Those are, those are sharp, though. Those are sharp. You got to do glasses. Do sharp ones. <laughs> so it is a public scholar exchanges. They're free and online. It's the Constitution Center, so constitutioncenter.org, and they have interactive opportunities for learners and teachers. They've got recorded sessions, but they also have live sessions where they have a variety of different speakers that come and speak about different points of the Constitution, uh, and they're for high school and middle school uh, kiddos. So, take a look at what they've got. There's offerings that are coming up in the next couple of months, and it looks like some really good information. Um, just some of the ones that they've done. Ken Burns has been a guest on that. I've heard of him. Um, yeah, exactly. So just really good information, and I think because it's free, uh, and it's it seems like um, a great way to involve your, your students in some social studies or civics activities that um, – might be impactful. So Sounds great. check it out. It. Well, and your- my, my final one is, uh, you know, in the theme of short and sweet, um, you know, nothing is shorter and sweeter, or you could argue about sweeter than Twitter. Um, and uh, not really the hotbed of sweetness, I think, but in in terms of an expression, short and sweet, Twitter. And I thought, you know, one of the things that's kind of fun to do is to share uh, Twitter handles that you follow to learn about things. And because I can, you know, kind of keep track of what's going on. Um, and two of them that I have uh, for our listeners slash viewers um, is the first one is it's I, it might sound boring, but it's, it's a good one is at AZ Ed News. And if you want to keep up on like literally just news, not opinion, but the news in the edu- Arizona education um, sphere, there's a lot of different, this is hardly the only one, but it's one that, that's interesting. And I thought maybe some people hadn't necessarily heard of. And then if you're looking for something a little spicier, you can always go to Diane Ravage. Uh, if you don't follow Diane Ravage on Twitter, you're missing out on a treat. Um, I, you, know, you don't always have to agree with her. You don't always have to, but you will always be entertained and you always walk away thinking, hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, Diane Ravage is another great one to follow. So that's our 
this would be where the part where the cool sound effect comes in and we would say that's the end of our right our our our, our happenings and listener input hopefully we'll get listener input and questions for future <laughs> um, future broadcasts at least before we get syndicated and then uh, so now we're going to move to three, two, one. We have been reading, right? We've been reading. Oh, have, no. What is that book you have there, Melissa? Would it's you like backwards. to? It's Sure, I'd love to. This is, is called, it? it's it's called What If I'm Wrong? And Other Key Questions for Decisive School Leadership. And it's by Simon Rodberg, uh, published by ASCD. Is this the part where I get to do some pre-reading things? Like I get to guess what it's going to be about based on the cover or anything like that, or a picture walk, or I think it's going to be about a piece of paper that got crumpled up. So yes, yeah, it's a, it's, uh, and guess you're not going to believe this, everyone. I have the same book. It's what if I'm wrong? So we're reading the same book. Whew, boy, that worked out. It would have been really embarrassing if we got on our first broadcast. Totally. And we were reading the wrong, one of us was reading the wrong book um, and we weren't able to talk about it. So this book is fascinating. It's just the title alone, What If I'm Wrong? Um, it's a question that I think all of us inside of work and outside of work probably should get better at asking because mm -hmm. it's not an incrimination. It's okay to be wrong. Matter of fact, a lot of us are wrong a lot of the time, and that's okay. Uh, there's a, a, a running joke in in, in uh, sociology and uh, in, in psychology that it's not really a joke. It's based on real research that I think the number is like 78% of, of American drivers think they're above average drivers, which I'm no matter Are they all men? Yeah. <laughs> I'm no mathematician, but I'm pretty sure that's mathematically impossible for, for almost 80% of people to be above average. So that tells us that sometimes we have a little bias about how we go about our business and do things. And it's always the other person that might have missed it, right? Um, so this book was really fascinating. And, and I think we both enjoyed it in our pre-broadcast. Um, uh, pre and throughout the reading of it, we've talked about how much we enjoyed it. Um, or we wouldn't be wasting your time talking about a book that we didn't think was any good. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to do three things that um that that three thoughts we had and they're just gonna be brief so i'm gonna melissa let's what were your three thoughts just go ahead and rapid fire your three thoughts okay so the first one that i thought was important is that the principal's key responsibility is to make hard decisions with the big picture in mind which means sometimes the decisions are not going to be popular the second thing i really found the word satisficing intriguing and satisfice is to find an acceptable path and move things forward. You may have to lower your standards a little bit, but a decision's been made and everybody gets to move on. And then the third thing for me is that leadership comes from recognizing that you don't have all the answers and having the decisiveness to move forward anyway. So make the decision. It may be the wrong decision, but it's been made and now you can deal with the fallout if there are gonna be any or the successes if that's the way that the decision goes. Love so those it. are my three. I don't want to do my three because now I don't feel like mine are going to be as good because you're, oh. but I'll do my I, three. Did I take your answers? <laughs> no, no, you didn't. I, this is great. Luckily, we found more than three things. Um, and the first one, my first one is an expression he calls fermiizing things. And it's the idea of the, the Fermi, we won't go into the whole, you know, the Fermi equation and all that sort of thing. But it's the idea that you take things down that are that are big and overwhelming, and you break them into bite sized pieces, and you just start kind of attacking those little bites. So let's just take a bite sized chunk. And it reminded me of what the DeFores talk about, about sometimes you just got to get started when it comes to professional mm -hmm. communities. And so that was mine. That's on page 37. For those of you who are sitting oh, there. Oh, you're taking notes. notes. Yeah, I, did take, I took a 
note, maybe not more than one. Uh, number two, uh, I like this quote made me think, and this is, quote, special education as we know it is an artificial answer to the very real challenge of human variability. Special education comes from trying to fit normal human variability into the rigidities of our system. And I mm. thought that is such a great way to put it. You know, the idea that that special education is a way to try to, and, it, and it, just an accident, but it reminds me of the end of average again earlier, right? Like yep. when we try to squish everything into something that we can call average or the way it's supposed to be, we have to create support systems to try to make that happen. And special education um, has, and so when people wonder, why is it so, you know, why is special education so complicated? Well, because, you know, trying to level human variability is not something you do on the back of, of business cards. So um, the, my final uh, my final thought on this one was another quote. I just, I love a good quote. And this, this one's really a good one. Remember the anthropological lens that learning is fundamental and it's a universal activity. School is not. So in other words, when you look at human beings from an anthropological standpoint, learning is fundamental and we all do it. It's throughout time. People have always learned. Yes. School is the artificial creation. And so it's an important thing to keep in mind as we try to navigate. Why is this seems so tricky sometimes? Well, it's because we're really not. This isn't what we are wired to do it. We're not wired to do it this way. We are wired to learn. But school is an artificial creation. That doesn't make it a bad thing. It makes it a, a thing that can be leveraged for great things, but if but you got to keep that in mind. So those were my big. Well, now what about the um, two reasons to read it? So somebody heard that and they thought, okay, you got me a little bit there. Yeah. Might yeah. just be the headphones, but give me more on why I should read this book. What would you say to them? So my first one is actually following up on your take a bite of the elephant. Just start eating the elephant, and it's start with something, even if it's a small stumping, and it and it might need to be a small something, but you can build momentum by getting started. And so this question framework that he has, and there's five questions that he goes through, and what if I'm wrong is the last one, um, really help get you started, but the whole point is getting started. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was a good reason to read this book was that both new and experienced leaders can benefit from being reflective about their decision-making process and the skills that they have around making those decisions. How do they start uh, a new initiative or a new project? What kinds of things are they thinking about when they uh, decide, is this worth the cost to put into place? Um, and so it's not just you know, uh, a reflective practice isn't just for teachers anymore. I, it really does need to be the leader that is being as reflective as the staff that he's leading. So he or she is leading. So I thought that it was a very, very good way to be reflective about our, our practice as leaders. Love it. Well, my two items were number one reason to read it is because we are wrong a lot and that's okay. You're not taking risks if you're not. So learning when to feel to figure that out um, and having some strategies are helpful. And this book helps you to do that. And, you know, he, he emphasizes, the author emphasizes that, um, that that's what's part of trying is, is being mm -hmm. wrong. And that uh, it's whether it's learning to minimize any fallout from 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 when when you were wrong, adjusting it, analyzing it, adapting and improving. You don't improve without uh, making those mistakes. Yeah. And then second, um, 
it's I, I like it. it. This was this is a book that is um, it's it's not you might have heard us talk about principles. It's not a book for principles. It is a book for principles, but it's not just for principles. Um, it's for anyone who finds themselves in a situation where they're leading and teachers lead principals lead central office people lead, but also moms lead dads lead uh coaches lead right everybody leads in one way or another it's some you put on that hat of being a leader at different times in your life mm -hmm. and what i really liked that this is it, it liked about this book is that it it really took a human view of how to engage with people whether you're in a school or not in a school or you're a leader or not a leader um or officially a leader in terms of being assigned as an official leadership role so that's why you should read it um so melissa this is the part they've been waiting for what's one thing somebody could do to, if they if they if they just started tomorrow what's one thing somebody could do tomorrow one of the things that i really appreciated is he talked about looking for patterns in, in decision-making and outcomes, um, what you do over time as you get better and more experienced at, at making decisions is there are patterns to what you do and how you think about things. And so as you are making those decisions, they become more automated and you're able to make those quick decisions that have positive outcomes more quickly. So um, we just wanna make sure we're not replicating the wrong decisions, but mm -hmm. Look for patterns in your decision making. How are you, what kinds of information are you using? How are you making those decisions? And, and I think that's something that somebody could say today, let me think about how I make decisions and what are the patterns in, in my own practice? Love so. that, love it, love it. Okay, so mine, what you could do, I've heard this before and I'm gonna admit guilty that I've, I do it sporadically, but it was a reminder to me that it's something I need to do more often. And cause it is a really powerful strategy and it's on page 105, by the way. And, that's, <laughs> and that is mandate dissent, appoint a devil's advocate. One of, the, one of the strategies that's recommended in this book is that when you're having those meetings, that you, and people can feel funny about challenging. I don't want, especially if you're in a position, perceived position of power, right? If there's mm -hmm. some sort of hierarchy at place and I'm like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, you know, whatever. If you, if as the leader, if you really are the, the person that has the ability to do this, or you can talk to your leader about, you know, maybe this is something we should try, is you mandate, you assign, you know, Melissa, today, uh, I want you to be devil's advocate. So as we hone in on a solution, I want you to play the devil's advocate and say, well, have we thought about this? Or what if this doesn't work? Are we prepared to deal with the fallout if this doesn't work? Because this is what that would look like. And it's not personal because yeah, you, that's the role you're playing. You've been assigned to be the devil's advocate. So um, it's kind of like kegging for adults with, uh, with a, <laughs> a little bit of devil's advocate. But I thought it was, a, I think it's a great strategy. I've used it and I've never, it's never not been done to great effect. And it also allows for those of you who find yourself in team situations where you feel like somebody's always default becoming a devil's advocate, not because they're, you know, tested, but it's just kind of the role they fall into, or maybe they're right. more negative in their interactions. This allows them to know that other viewpoints are going to be shared, but it allows it to happen in a construct constructive way that's built into your system. So that's something you could start tomorrow by appointing a devil's advocate. I like it. I like it. So 
here's the thing. We have finished the content of our very first uh, podcast slash podcast. I don't want to have to keep saying that. We need to come up with our own word. And um, I do have a question for you because this happens all the okay. time. Have I frozen at all through this one? Have I, is, have I frozen up on screen? Because you haven't. No, I haven't. But, okay. you know, I, I'm. Oh, high tech lighting, high tech lighting. Public yeah. education, one of the finest uh, supplies for us. I, I have you to say, haven't froze, but I look like I'm in a cave. So, you know, I mean. You look great. I was, you know, what I, here's the, what I've learned from the pandemic. People love to talk about what did you learn from the pandemic? What I've learned from the pandemic is because I've frozen a thousand times in meetings. <laughs> yet, out of the thousand times I've frozen in a meeting, not one of them has not been a hideous image just the worst possible capture with the goofiest face i'm doing something ridiculous and i've come to the conclusion from the pandemic that i should not sit still <laughs> so the, the trick is keep moving because oh my god if i stand still that's apparently what i look like so uh ever since the pandemic i'm doing a lot of shaking and head bobbing and weaving i don't know i just i think i'm just a collection of really bad images strewn together strewn together to make <laughs> i just gotta so i gotta be a blur so that concludes our very first um uh podcast slash podcast and uh we will be working on our second one with a new book um we will be uh looking for um, input uh we will be posting this particular our first one uh will be posted on social media uh and we will be looking towards uh, expanding the the show and um lifting the audio to create just an audio podcast as well and uh, hopefully just develop over time and i think that we would love to hear feedback from people um yes, and yeah to help us get stronger and we we know that uh, uh that there's we're we're novice at this but we're gonna get better and better so because we're all lifelong learners right melissa that's it lifelong all right learning so this is the part Learning where we, we might have a theme song do, 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 and some sound effects to, for the next one. But for now, that's it. Thanks for listening. In the Thanks, future, everybody. minutes, give us half your drive time. We'll give you the rest. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Wait, no, where do you do it at? I can't hear you now. I don't know why. Where is the, how do you stop the recording? I hope this isn't gonna be in our, I really will have to do some editing. Oh, here, stop recording.